He is greater. Jesus Christ, he is our king. He is our hope. He is heir of all things. He purifies us from sin. We have life eternal because of him. He is our great God. Amen. Well, we are in a series here called Greater, and we are celebrating, and we are lifting up our Alleluia. We are praising Jesus Christ with all we've got. And as we walk through the book of Hebrews here, a couple of different sermon series, this first series is now finishing today. Can you believe that? We're already eight weeks in, first series in Hebrews kind of down, and it's called Greater Jesus My God. And we're looking at the last promise of Jesus my God here in this section. And he talks about Jesus across the whole of this passage. Jesus, the one who is God himself stepped into this world. The one who is greater than the angels. The one who is greater than any man. The one who is greater than any peace. Greater than any rest. Jesus Christ. He is our hope. May we worship and praise him. Today, very specifically, we're in Jesus is greater than any rest, part two, right? Last week was part one. We were looking at Jesus is greater than rest over both last week and this week. This eternal rest that he provides, there is no one, there is nothing else that provides this eternal rest. May Jesus get all the praise. And he is greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. And he is greater. So turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 6. And point number 1 says, Praise the God who even today offers a perfect rest in him. Praise the God who even today offers a perfect rest in him. May we lift him up. May we praise him. May we sing hallelujah to him. Praise that God. He starts out in verse 6 here. He says, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, in the, his words already quoted. Let's just start back at the top here in verse 6. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it. Sometimes the definition of therefore is looking back and sometimes they explain it right there with it, right? So again, we're seeing the word therefore and when we see the therefore, we say, like, what is it therefore? Again, he's like, I'm telling you some truth. Now let me call you to some action. He even gives us the summary of the therefore right with it. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it. Since some have not entered God's eternal rest. Remember the book of Hebrews is written primarily and initially to those who were Jewish. To those who were Hebrew by nature, right? And so they were ethnically Jews. They were religiously Jewish. And he's trying to call them to it. And he's like, some have not gotten this. Some are missing the eternal rest that we can have in him. And they're trying to trust in works. They're trying to do something with the law. It's not working. Some have not remained with their God. And instead they've distanced and gone their own way. And they have not entered into this eternal rest. It's a huge problem. They're not saved. Everybody say not saved. He's like, because some are not saved... And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. And it's not because they didn't hear. They heard, but they were disobedient. 
Right now he's talking again about the nation of Israel as they came out of Egypt and they were having the privilege of seeing God work as they moved through the Red Sea. Walls of water parted. They were able to go through. It crashed down and took Pharaoh's army out and they were safe. It saw the, they saw the manna provided. They even saw water provided in the wilderness. They were provided all over the place. And then God said, here's your promised land, this physical land of rest that you can move into. And they were like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think so. The guys living in there look pretty big. Like, I, I'm kind of afraid. I'm not sure I trust. And, and in all that God had done with them and for them so far, they would not trust and obey and follow through into this physical land of rest. And they disobeyed in the midst of hearing about it. And he's like, there are many back then that heard and wouldn't trust. And so there are many now that are hearing about Jesus and they're hearing about eternal rest and promise with him and they won't respond and they're disobeying. He's like, it's a huge problem. He said, so what's God's solution? He said, again, he appoints a certain day today. God is sovereign. God does rule over everything, right? Sovereign, the word it means literally has his hand on and over everything, right? If you are not sovereign at all, if unless you are sovereign over all. Sovereign over everything, including even the hearing and the salvation along the way. And it says he appoints a certain day today. Remember, we looked at this over the last couple of weeks, but this is a quote from Psalm 95 earlier in chapter 4 and in chapter 3. Like, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's what it says. Today, if you hear his voice, like if God is pressing in, man, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're online today with us. And you're not quite sure where you stand with Jesus Christ. But in this moment, God is beginning to stir. You're like, what does it even mean to praise him or to sing hallelujah to him? What does it mean that I give him my life? Maybe I should be. Man, now is the time. If God is pressing in, if you're feeling a stir, now is the time to respond. He said, God has appointed this day today. God working in your life. And calling you across, now is the time. Man, if you have not trusted in Christ, make today the day. Maybe you have trusted in Christ, but you've been letting it drift. You've been moving your own direction. You've been allowing your heart to get more enamored with sin. And, and you're really getting distracted and pulling away. And now is the time to set that down. Lord God, I'm coming to you. Please forgive me. I'm in. I'm fully in. Today is the day. He said, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted. Like David was quoting that in Psalm chapter 95. So we're going to do a little timeline up here real quickly, all right? So over here we have Egypt and Israel. And Israel is released from Egypt. That's, we'll call it 1400 B.C., all right? 1400-ish B.C., it's a little bit before that, but 1400 B.C., they're coming out of Egypt, all right? David is king, and he's writing psalms around 1000 B.C., 400 years later, okay? So 400 years later, David is penning Psalm 95. He is king over Israel, and as he is king, actually what's happening is they are living in that promised land, 
You know the one they refused to go into back here in 1400? Well, 40 years after wandering in the wilderness and that generation passing away, their kids went in. And they were there for those rest of that 400 years. David now in that promised land. And he is penning Psalm 95. And there he talks about, if we obey, we have the privilege of entering the rest. There is some kind of rest being talked about by David that is not this physical promised land rest. And that's the point the author's trying to make here. David was talking about it 400 years after they already entered it. There is some other rest than just the physical promised land of Israel. He's like, that was but a type. That's a shadow. That's all it is. It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. David's recording of that saying, man, if you hear God moving in your soul, respond. There is something out ahead of eternal rest. Are you with him? Are you with him? He says, for if Joshua had given them rest, if Joshua had given, Joshua is the one who walked them into the promised land back there just around 1400 BC. Joshua walked them into the promised land. They settle into that physical promised land, what was called the rest at that time. And he's like, if that's the only rest he was talking about, then 400 years later, why did he bring it up again? What are we talking about? This was but a shadow, a type. This is an example, a metaphor. Getting into the promised land, example. This is about eternal life with Jesus Christ. Fulfillment, substance, solution. Christ our King. And all of God's people said, he's like, man, don't miss it. The solution was not Joshua. The solution is not Israel as a nation. The solution is not just physical land. That's an example of God working with you. The solution is God himself and heaven ahead and Jesus to be our king. It says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Right? You hearing it? God wouldn't have been speaking about it after the fact if it's already been provided and done. There's something else coming. This eternal rest with Jesus Christ. He says then, so then there remains a Sabbath rest. So then there remains a Sabbath rest. And just so you know, in the original language, this is one Greek word. And it really means a Sabbath celebration. And so part of it is the resting from work. Part of it is that. But more than that, it is bringing a huge praise and celebration. A Sabbath celebration, if you will. And it's not talking about what happens on a weekly basis in the Jewish calendar. It's taking that again as a metaphor, an example. So we have Israel going into the promised land. Everybody say example. And we have what happens every week at the end of the week as the Jewish culture would actually take this time of Sabbath rest. Everybody say example. It's but examples of this future eternal rest to come. This glorious celebration with him. There remains a Sabbath rest. This time of praise and this time of relaxation. I got to be honest with you. I really didn't even know that until this week. I really didn't. I actually, what I knew of the Sabbath was don't work. Like that's what I knew of it. But actually it's also and celebrate that God worked six days and got it all done. He has it in hand. Celebration and praise and relaxation all coming together. That little bit just an example of the eternal rest 
that is to come. It says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the people of God. Everybody say that means saved. For those who are saved. For those who believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. You believe he's alive. And, and you confess him as Lord. You're in charge, God. You take over. Saved. For them, the people of God, there is this eternal rest coming. Heaven with Jesus Christ. No more pain. No more sorrow. Absolute joy and celebration. May God get all the glory. It says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did. Whoever has entered God's rest has rested from his works. This is a really big deal. There are some that try to take this and make this mean something very other. And this is all it's trying to say. When you arrive home in heaven saved, you're entering God's rest. Your work on earth is done. Praise be to God. We have set down the works. It is over the grind, the hurting, the pain, the heartache along the way. And we are in eternal glory. Our works get set down forever. It says they have also rested from their works as God did from his. As God did from his. Remember back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God created for six days and on the seventh day he rested. It says that the works were complete, done, and so he rested on the seventh day. That is the huge starting point. God works six, rest the seventh, work all done, created. And now at the tail end, as we come into heaven, our works on earth done and we enter into his rest forever. Almost like this is our six days of work. Can't wait for the seventh day with our king. And that's a huge deal. Grasp this. Heaven, eternity, rest, where we set down this toil, where we set down this sin, and we have a joyous celebration with our God forever. Where the, the work, the grind, the toil, it's done now we're in celebration and satisfaction and joy with our king forever as he goes about doing the things that are perfect and sinless from then on. And all of God's people said, amen, man, a huge privilege for us to grasp. And for those who are like, I don't know, I'm not sure if I think this is really about eternity in heaven. Let me just give you another verse. Revelation 14, verse 13. Revelation 14, verse 13, you may want to write it down. It says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. They will rest from their labor. Are you hearing it? That's what he's talking about. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Everybody say, in the Lord. In the Lord. Blessed are those who trust and are saved and they're believing in Jesus and then they pass away. They have eternity with Christ to be living. It says, they will rest from their labor from the grind of this earth, from the pain and the heartache, the sin set down, God gets all the celebration. Are you ready to enter in? Man, this is a huge deal. Don't miss it. We get so distracted with the day-to-day -day here. Are you ready for perfection? I don't think we can even understand it. Are you ready for not one ounce of pain? None. Are you ready for nobody else to be a jerk to you? <laughs> like, 
Are you ready for this? Like what an amazing moment as we enter into heaven. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache. Praise be to God. It's a huge deal. And we get to celebrate. And we get to go after it with our king. You know, a couple weeks back, um, my daughter Alyssa uh, actually said, Hey, Dad, what do you think about a daddy-daughter date? Would you want to do that? I'm like, yeah, sure. She said, well, how about, a, how about a Friday night? And I'm like, sure, let me talk to mom. Let me make sure we've got that available and we'll figure it out, right? And so we worked out the date a little bit. We got it set and we locked in this Friday night. And she's like, okay, I, got, I know what we're doing now. I got the plan. I'm like, okay. So what's the plan? She goes, you have to dress up. So get ready. You're going to need to really dress up and then also bring a change of clothes. And, and, and we'll go from there. And I'm like, what are we doing? And she's like, I'm not even coming close to telling you. Just dress up. And I'm like, in what? And she goes, I'll pick it out. And I'm like, okay. So it got to a day or two beforehand. And Jana comes to me and says, all right, so here is what you're supposed to wear. And pulls out the suit that I would normally wear to like when I do weddings kind of thing. And she pulls out the suit, like really dressed up. And uh, I'm like, wow, okay. I would not have dressed up that much, <laughs> as you can tell. I would, would not have dressed up that much. And I'm like, all right. And so uh, I get dressed up in it. Alyssa tells me, be at the church at 6.05. That's specific, man, you know? I'm like, okay, 6.05, we'll be here. And uh, so I roll in at 6.05. And as I roll in, there's only a couple of cars in the parking lot. And I get out and I'm figuring out what's going on. And as I get a little closer to the sidewalk, I notice my other daughter, Megan, is sitting on the sidewalk. And uh, I said, what's up? And she goes, do you know what's going on? And I said, I have no clue what's going on. And she picks up her camera and I'm like, oh, okay. So we're gonna do some pictures, I get it, okay. So we go to the back and she said, uh, let's go back here. We go around here. I don't know if you guys have seen, but we've got these Edison light bulbs out here on the patio. It looks really cool at night. And uh, so she had those lit up. And uh, as we step outside, Alyssa comes around the corner and um, she was dressed in her wedding dress. And I'm like, these are gonna be weird pictures. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I didn't get it. And she comes up to me and she gets tears in her eyes and she said, Dad, I went to a wedding two weeks ago and they did a daddy-daughter dance. And it just made me weep. I was in tears because we didn't get that. My daughter and Grant got married last year during COVID. And so a 350-person wedding got canceled. It became a 12-person wedding in our backyard. And uh, so we didn't get the daddy-daughter dance. And it's come across my mind several times as we've been at other weddings. I'm like, what a ripoff. And she said, so this is it. Put me in tears, man. I had the exact same thought. And I never would have asked for it. I so appreciate her doing it. And so she reaches over and turns on a boom box. We had music. And so we danced to music and Megan actually took some photos. In fact, here's the pics here. <laughs> we danced real and weird. Yeah, amen. amen. So tender and so sweet. I just love my little girl and love being able to see the marriage they're in and how they're enjoying one another. May God get all the glory. And uh, what a sweet moment to taste of that. Our daddy-daughter moment will now be super special forever. Love that. And uh, man, here's the deal. 
as we look to come home to, we're turning a corner now, ready? As we look to come home to Jesus Christ, hear me, when we get there, there is going to be dancing and celebration like you would not believe. There is going to be unleashed holy party, man. May God get all the glory. And we're going to be looking back at really what should have been. We were saved years ago. And the party that should have come down, but sin got in the way. COVID got in the way of our wedding and our daddy-daughter dance. Sin is in the way of full tilt celebration with our Savior, but not for long. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Hear me, when we enter home to rest, there is going to be an unleashed celebration with Jesus Christ, a party with the Lamb of God, resurrected Savior, King of Kings, groom of his bride, the church, and it is going to go full tilt. May God get all the glory. May we praise him. May we live for him. May we honor him in every little way right here and now. And man, get ready because heaven is going to blow you away. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Are you ready to praise your king forever? And remember him with all he's done. Point number two, allow God's word to rattle your soul and awaken you to his greatness. Allow God's word to rattle your soul and awaken you to his greatness. It says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us therefore, we see the therefore we say, right? Because there is this hope of salvation, because there can be celebration, because now is the day, today is the day and there can be salvation. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. And I just want to tell you, my wife and I had a long talk about the word strive this week. It can be so misunderstood. It starts to sound like a lot of work and a lot of effort, but in fact, if you look at the original language, the word means be eager for it. Desire it with all you've got. And then let that affect how you behave yourself, right? Be so eager that it just leans you in. That's what it means. Be so on fire and so desiring that it gets you engaged. It's talking more about your passion than it is about your work effort. And uh, may we be passionate to enter that rest, to head home to glory, to be done with this broken world, to bring on a salvation with Jesus Christ forever. May we be passionate and ready to celebrate so that no one may uh, fall by the same sort of disobedience. He's like, be careful. Make sure you've got a passion and a willingness to respond and lean in because it gets too easy to hear about Jesus and not have responded. And you just start drifting away. Getting disobedient. Allowing sin to have its way in your life. You've never trusted Christ as Savior. And now you don't even want to hear about him. Be careful. Get ready, be anxious, be fervent for leaning in, desiring with all you've got that Jesus Christ gets all the glory. Are you in with Jesus Christ? Man, make sure you can answer that question today if you hear his voice. Are you in with Jesus Christ? Be ready to lean in with your God and make sure he gets the celebration. By the way, 
So often nowadays, the church tries to make salvation about us. Please hear me. Salvation is about his glory. It's about showing him off. It's about making sure people see. It's about letting all of creation see. This is how awesome my God is. It is not about saying, make my life a little more comfortable. It is saying, Lord God, may you get more glory. May you get all the praise. May we run to him and go after it. May we listen to our God as he calls out, hear his voice. How does he speak to us? Well, that's where he enters into this next statement. He says, for the word of God is living and active. And I got to be honest with you. I had never done a deep dive on Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. And I actually did not realize the depth of this passage. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I did not realize this was attached to enter his rest. Like that's the connection. Hear your God who speaks to you through his word. The word of God is living. Why? Because it's sourced by the one who is life. And because it gives us life as we respond to him. The word of God is living and active. In fact, that word active, very specifically, it means uh, effective, powerful. It means energized. It's getting something accomplished. The word of God is living and it accomplishes in our lives. This is God's spoken word. And you look at Old Testament recorded of God's spoken word and now New Testament and we have it recorded down, God's word. Are you ready to hear from your king? Make sure you're in his word to be hearing from him. It says that it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper than any other weapon. Any two-edged sword. This is the weapon of choice of that day. Like as it was being written down, they're like, Think of whatever the sharpest weapon is, way more deadly than that. The word of God, so sharp and effective. It says, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Now, if you think about it, if you're talking about a weapon, it should be piercing to the division of flesh and bone, right? Like physical stuff. If you're talking about a weapon, it should be like cutting into, but he's like, that's too easy. The weapons of man do that. The weapons of God, well, it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. Have you ever tried to answer this question? What is the difference between soul and spirit? Have you ever tried to answer that question? Spend some time on it. It'll blow your mind. It's like there's a lot of subtlety and a lot of overlap. Soul and spirit, this inner part of us. And all that goes on with responding to God and our desires and our inner thinks, soul and spirit. And he's like, there's such an intricate overlap, but the word of God is so insightful. It can separate them apart and make clear what is going on and distinguish the eternal from your desires and how it all works. The word of God is super powerful in all that it does, dividing of soul and spirit and bone and marrow being able to separate these very complex pieces of the body. And at that time, a huge complexity to separate bone and marrow, joints and marrow. It's a big deal. And it's subtle, but it's saying the word of God is insightful. Everybody say insightful. insightful. Discerning. Everybody say discerning. Getting into God's word will reveal to you what you need to know. Discerning. 
in every way. It says, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word calling out what we need to know and hear. God's word making clear our fears and our idolatries, our wants and our wrongs. Man, it is amazing how clear and insightful God's word is. And here's the thing, we usually set it down and we start listening to ourselves. Our own welling up within, our own wants, our own thinks. Well, what I think is, well, the way I feel about this is, right? And we start to pontificate with others and we want to share out what we think. And Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. The word of God is insightful. Our heart deceitful. Be careful what you're listening to. Man, are you going after just listening to what's banging inside of you? Deceitful at best. Seems to sell it's going to work well, and it doesn't usually turn out at all that way. Caution with what you're going after. May we listen to God's word. It says, and no creature is hidden from his sight. Word of God deceit, uh, insightful, and God himself insightful. It says, no creature in, is hidden from his sight. God is everywhere. God knows everything, and God can do anything. God Almighty, all-powerful. Everybody say all-powerful. And all-knowing. Everybody say all-knowing. That's our God. That's our King. And he's the one who has authored this text and given us insight to our lives. He then says, all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We stand before God needing to give account. Are you ready? God is almighty and all-powerful and all-knowing, and he is just and righteous and holy. Man, it could be a dangerous moment to say, I'll just live life my way, whatever happens, happens. But hear me, on the other side of this, God is love. God is mercy. God is glorious. God is gentle and lowly. That's Christ describing his own heart, gentle and lowly. Your God loves you with all he's got and he's welcoming you home to an eternal rest. No more pain, no more sorrow. Done with this broken world. Are you in? Are you ready to say, okay, God, I am ready to worship you and give you my all. You are greater. You get my everything. May you have all my worship. And all of God's people said, Everybody just say, he is greater. Louder and bigger. He is greater. May we long to enter his rest. Let's pray.